Hello and welcome my beautiful audience to another episode of Black Women Parlay. Today's episode is taking a little bit of a different turn because we're going to be talking about the famous Generation Z. And the thing about it is like with everything, obviously we know there are loads of generalizations. Black women do this, white people do that, Generation Z do this, millennials do that and so on and so forth. But because of how much Generation Z has been touted as changing our consumer habits and they're new into the workplace and there's like difficulties within, and I'm putting this in inverted commas, difficulties working intergenerationally, I wanted to have a conversation with somebody who I work with. (laughs) Don't worry, she's under no obligation here to. Mm -hmm. Um, But to kind of get behind the wall um, of how does she feel as a member of this generation? Does does she feel that the, you know, Yana, do you feel that the media reflects what your generation really wants? How do you tie that all together? Um, What is it that you think a lot of your peers want? So that's what we're going to be getting into today. And I think that's like a really nice topic um, to talk about just because we're not getting any closer to especially from the perspective of young black women, we're not getting any closer to really building this robust pipeline and having black women in stay in organizations or still not feel as though um, they still have to fight, even despite the fact that there's a lot more clarity about what they want and being more authentic. Um, Yeah, so without further ado, Miss Iani, can you tell our lovely audience who you are? Of course. Thank you so much, Leanne. So my name is Ianu Joseph. I'm a final year student. I study international development with economics um, and also my spare time. I'm a freelance consultant with Benefactor Consulting and really excited to be here today. Um, yeah, so let's jump into it. Like, how do you generally feel? I'm not going to call it propaganda, but how do you... Sorry, I just tasted that coffee and it's gross. So that's just going to go over there. Um, how do you feel about when you read stuff about generations Z, do you feel like it really represents you and your friendship group in terms of career path in terms of like what the media says you expect like how do you feel about it usually or is it just like oh my gosh this is another thing they're saying about us um it is interesting because when I think people think of like Gen Z they think oh we're lazy we don't want to work we just want to get rich quick and all of these things and it um, I would say it's quite the opposite um, for myself and for my friendship group in particular. I would say we're quite high achieving. We are um, aware of our skill set. We are also aware of where we can improve. Um, so I would say in the kind of working arena, um, we do want to work. <laughs> I think, um, you know, just being from a technical technology technological age um there's so much information out there that we want to grasp hold of um and because there's so much information there's information about businesses information about reputation we have the kind of advantage of being able to be aware of what we're kind of stepping into before we do so Mm. um so that's how people may think like maybe we're like we're picky but it's more like we just have we're just informed um in terms of what businesses have to offer us and what we can kind of um the skills we can get gain from there um, I would also say that in terms of kind of like get rich quick, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> schemes out. I know that for our age are aimed at us. Um, but I think the pandemic has really shown the importance of stability um, 
and being able to find a job that works for you um, is flexible um, and can really help you long term. Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting. I mean, there is. So I'm going to I'm going to say it from the other side. And I, and I would say there's two bits, right? There's the bit that I think about get rich quick, but I'm going to leave that to one side. And I'm going to talk about career progression because I find, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I find that loads of the conversations around Generation Z is more around what well, within the corporate context is more around after one year of working, it's like, okay, so I need to be the boss <laughs> or there's not necessarily the, I'm going to call it um, the foresight to understand that the career cycle or the progression cycle is not immediate mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. salaries that you see on television mm-hmm. are exceptional as opposed to the rule so like I think mm-hmm. when they were talking about the magic circle uh law firms offering graduates 140k that is not the norm mm-hmm. that's those are very very exceptional circumstances so do you sometimes feel that like your general your generation expects or you and I'm going to say like you and your friendship group do you feel like the expectations are realistic in terms of where you're going to start and what progression looks like or do you think that there's still a lot of I'm going to call it media socializing that basically says no 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 you can have a lot more more sooner so that you kind of feel a little bit shortchanged by your own progression Oof, that's a good question I, I do feel that media does play a part in kind of misleading a lot of our generation into the expectations of what work actually is. Um, and it's interesting you mentioned kind of we stay for one year and then we move and we job hop and things like that. Um, I think there are obviously kind of factors involved for people to then move along. Maybe they didn't, you know, work out with relationships with managers. Um, but in terms of the employee life cycle, um, I think we just would like a clear kind of view of the future, which is why we kind of a bit like oh what's happening if we don't progress in a certain way mm-hmm. um I think it really lends itself to the business if people just making people aware of kind of what exactly is expected at what stages um and just kind of having that continuous feedback loop I think something that we do appreciate a lot is having continuous feedback so whenever I was in like a placement or internship I'd always be asking end of the day you know how did I do what could I improve on this task rather than having um like a fortnightly or a monthly meeting I think that really plays a part into us identifying okay so I've worked on this task I've done this could do better with this how can I improve how can I improve I think that's kind of the way that we are thinking rather than just waiting for the next you know promotion cycle and things like that mm-hmm. it's really something I smiled as you were talking because like there's so much immediacy in that like at the end of the day it's like <laughs> the end of the no but I, no but I like the honesty of that because that is sometimes like an issue with the intergenerational piece right mm. you got feedback at the end of the day but let's just say like me and you we work together now okay I'm an immediate feedback kind of person so you know that so that's that like just forget me for two seconds but for a lot of people that immediacy doesn't always give them enough time to be able to validate have you made progress or sometimes the details of your progress aren't correlative to the feedback that you might be looking for sometimes you know mm-hmm. you might want to know did I do a good job on this and in their mind they're thinking hold on 
this isn't even the end of the top. Let's just say like you're meant to deliver a report and you're like, well, how would this first, these first two pages? And they're like, well, there's still 25 pages of the report to go and I can't give you feedback. Yeah. And I think this is a really, really important point in terms of feedback styles, communication styles, yeah. expectation delivery. Um, what is it that you're looking to achieve here? And what is it that you're looking to get out of this situation? Because there's just a huge gap. And I think the shift that we're seeing within the workplace right now is many fold. We still have, and I'm including myself in this, a geriatric millennial who has been, you know, that realistically speaking, the promotion speed and cycles haven't changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're still, they're still realistically three to five years, right? But I think to your point, and I and I agree completely, is that what you're being fed is in many cases that technology is going to substitute hands-on experience, which it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Technology is going to support substitute knowledge, but it still doesn't support the knowledge of doing the job. And yeah. I think that can sometimes be the real source of a breach in kind of intergenerational working because someone be like, might be like, yeah, I Googled it or I found it on the internet and it mm-hmm. shows you, let's say, 10 components of this particular transaction, but really there are hundred components to that transaction that you can't get from being online. And I think these are the kinds of conversations that almost need to be had as more generations that go into the workplace, because yeah. I would say the largest difference between, I'm not sure about the younger millennials, but the largest difference between like, I would say younger millennial or older millennials like myself and generation Z is that we were definitely more aware of towing the company line. So mm. it was like, this is where you work. This is what you do. And you don't have, like I even wrote an article about this and we did, I did a podcast episode with Eleanor Meyer, Eleanor Meyerhofer earlier on, which was talking about personal brand. Mm. And, um, you know, you weren't encouraged to have a side hustle. You were always encouraged yeah. to have the business that you're in be everything. Whereas now, like now, obviously I run my own businesses, obviously, you know, but I run my own businesses. So it's very different for me. And I'm, I'm not, I understand from an organizational perspective, why that's important because they're thinking that is the main brand and we want to make sure that there's brand continuity. Yeah. But I feel as though, and you can tell me if I'm wrong and I'd love to get your opinion on it. How do you feel about side hustles, personal brand, the expectations of employers for you? Mm. Another fantastic question. <laughs> I would say because of technology, because of social media and because people are starting to showcase um, their side hustles, I feel like at beginning side hustles is more like a very like, it's a hush, hush, hush kind of side hustle. Whereas people now kind of bring it a bit to more to the forefront. Like, yes, I do, do you know, my nine to five, but I also have this on the side. I'm also, you know, managing events I'm also you've got a fashion brand or whatever but um so I feel like increasingly people are people are starting to realize the value of a side hustle they're starting to realize that this is something that they own this is something that they can control they can kind of bring their own creative identity to that they might not be able to in their nine to five um and I, I have a few friends who have kind of started their side hustles with like a gym brand and um things like that and it's actually really cool to see like them starting a business and being really entrepreneurial and I think actually 
adds to what they can bring to work and what they can kind of bring to kind of the environment and colleagues and things like that so um I would say building a personal brand um and again just referencing the podcast which I rewatched yesterday because I was sort of to kind of get get an insight just going to remind myself but I think it's really really important um especially because there's so much out there it's important to differentiate yourself from you know just the work that you do mm-hmm so would it be a deal breaker for you um, if an organisation was very strict about what you could do as a side hustle or even if you could have a side hustle? How do you feel like how does that weigh up for you in terms of priorities? Mm. I would say right now, not so much, only because I don't have a side hustle, but I feel like mm. if I was to build something and then being told that I couldn't you know progress with that that would definitely be something to take into consideration bearing in mind that a lot of companies um would allow you to do have a side hustle so it would kind of be more looking at the business asking them questions like why wouldn't you let me have it you know um and kind of getting their perspective on that but I say right now no but if I was to in the future I definitely would um have a few more questions for that company yeah 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 no because sometimes I do wonder because I think that there is still quite a disjunct between where some organizations are versus the policies and procedures that they have to allow you to do stuff and I can give an example when I was working at a particular organization I was going to start to write for a food magazine and it had nothing to do with the job at hand you know but still Mm -hmm. I I did the good thing played the good citizen went told the compliance person and said hey look um I'm doing this blah 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 blah. and it went from me doing that as a good citizen to having to go through this massively complicated process to get approval from my Mm -hmm. boss and at the time for me it was one of the it was one of the most disheartening experiences Mm -hmm. Because in that moment, what it affirmed to me as an employee was you might only work at an organization only 80% of the time. You know, you spend 80% of your your week in an organization, but actually they Mm. control 100% of your life. Wow, yeah. And when you realize that, or when I realized that, it definitely changed how I viewed the employer-employee relationship yeah. because it made me think about why why can't I or why don't I have this space mm. to be myself why don't I have the space to drive what it is I need to get done mm. but by the same token now that I'm a business owner and this is the interesting change I don't necessarily understand it in totality the extent But I do understand the need, and I think this is where it comes into the how. I understand the need to, A, as an individual, have your personal brand and also Mm. be able to express all sides of yourself because you are not just the work you do. But I also now understand more clearly that there's a lot to be said about brand protection. And when I look at it in terms of brand protection, I think about all those people, you know, I can't remember. There was this guy on a flight and I don't remember where he worked, but he was being racist. And he was like, I work at XYZ firm. Mm-hmm. And people went and found out XYZ firm and then he got fired, right? Wow, yeah. 
because of this digital age mm, mm. and the access to information yeah everything you do is trackable is searchable is there forever forever and ever amen which for me makes it even more difficult or as an employer you have to be even more conscientious around mm. how can we make this work for mm. you as the individual with your side hustle yeah. but how can we also ensure that it's not potentially brand damaging for mm. me the corporate the this that because there is no going back when a brand is damaged and I think and I think that's the I think sometimes that's the nuance is that fear drives us to because of everything being so untraceable fear drives us to you know going to avoid it you just clamp down on it when actually it's the conversation around what is it how do you plan to do it and Mm -hmm. it's so hard to find that balance I think between not wanting to be controlling as an organization Mm -hmm. And then also protecting both you as the organization and also the individual. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Because yeah. sometimes what happens in a side hustle can impact your main bag, which is not mm. which is not what you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. But I think it's cool that a lot, and I mean, as a demographic, black women have the highest amount of side hustles anyway. Mm. But I think it's cool that there is that this kind of conscientious decision from loads of your generation is to like I'm going to build my brand and I'm going to see how I can make it work as opposed to it's it's coming into question for me that I'm going to get rid of it Mm -hmm. for sure and I I don't and I think I don't think you guys should be seen as this huge mystery (laughs) I was gonna say like we have our lives on social media we have probably the most public lives um than ever before so believe that and sometimes I wonder I mean you're online but you're not mm. radically online mm. <laughs> like, this, is, this is true let's also be clear about that you're not you're it's not like you're like you got your little no, I'm not going to take the mic out of you too much, but you got, you know, your five, six pictures or your seven pictures or whatever. It's not like you're crazy online. Is mm-hmm. that, has that been a deliberate decision? Yes, I would say so. I think from just uh, something like secondary school, I remember we used to have like safety learning and, you know, don't post anything that you wouldn't want to see in like 10 years and things like that. So, and also kind of like from family and like siblings as well, just being aware of what I post online. I think that's mm. kind of my personal decision just um, as a personal brand, you know, making sure that I feel comfortable putting this on. And if anyone sees it, I'm not going to have an issue. Um, but people have varying, you know, degrees of their privacy and how much they're willing to share. So, yeah. No, no, but I, but I think this is, you know, you said two things that were in that sense when I say, like contradictory not like that on the one hand there's a lot of gen z who live their life on social media but you said actually no i'm not going to live it like that i don't want to have something that i don't care about or that could compromise me being Mm. out there and i think sometimes that's this is i think for every demographic age race gender whatever i think it's really important to see the other side of it you know Mm. 
I, I could have picked to talk to some influencer, and this is nothing about influencers, whose whole life is on um, social media. But for that, for me, that just feeds into the monster of what we believe your generation does. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. So true. Whereas actually, um, there's another there's another narrative, and it's not one where you you don't necessarily want to post all the time, and and you're making an active choice as I will post when I feel like it and what I want to. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it. I think there's many factors that go into it, but I think especially since the pandemic, I think a lot of people are being more aware of just what they post, aware of how they spend their time as well. Um, I think before the pandemic, I did used to take a lot more pictures, and it wasn't even like that, that great. But <laughs> I just would just take pictures, <laughs> just just for taking sake, just because like everyone else is doing it. But like, I think like the pandemic probably aged us in, in a way that we won't, won't know until you know many years later. But um, just being aware of how you're spending your time and what you're prioritizing. So like when I'm seeing my friends, I wouldn't necessarily bring my phone out. I wouldn't necessarily like take pictures as often just because I think we want to like live in the moment, which is um, really nice, actually. I really kind mm. of, that's one good thing I think I've taken from the pandemic is like spend your time wisely. Yeah. Mm. I wanted to actually ask you about that because considering if I think about my university experience, it's radically different to yours, of course. Like how, no, because th- this is, one of one of the significant trends this is just like a general trend um that's kind of coming up is pandemic ptsd right Mm -hmm. and there's a generation of young people and most of them are gen z but on the younger side like 16 year olds who have just at their most vulnerable time and desire to be a part of a group and being so being social in whatever which Mm -hmm. way that is you lot were confined, I love the way I say you lot, <laughs> you were confined to a completely different space, yeah. low on interaction, all of, how, how, how was that for you? And do you feel any sort of pandemic PTSD in any, and it doesn't have to be anything like dramatic, um, mm-hmm. but I just mean, do you, how, how has that had an impact on you, like above and beyond the time thing? Because you yeah. just remind, reminded me that, in reading a lot of these articles and it was talking about particularly about generation z there's a lot of young people that didn't and still don't understand that social media isn't real it is a Mm -hmm. curated reel a curated highlight even when people are telling sad stories it's curated right Mm -hmm. it's it's not you know people post and sorry to say this but people post traumatic things online um Mm -hmm. But it's still curated. It's still a, it's, a yeah. it's still curated trauma. It is not, it's not real. But a lot of young people didn't know that. So then mm. they were talking about, you know, um, that feeling of like FOMO, the feeling of missing out. But then also mm. that there were high levels of depression in young girls because they're also not realizing when you see some of these pictures. When I, in fact, when I saw some of the, um what's called photoshopping Mm. (laughs) yeah shaving off this little bit shaving your nose down a bit shaving off your neck a little bit uh Mm. giving it some more clavicle all Mm. of this stuff that you don't see that because all you see is a posted picture yeah but that generation z was particularly um 
vulnerable. So how was it for you and how do you think that a lot of your peers have come out of it and how do you feel like you've come out of it and what was kind of your feelings you know you talked about not taking less pictures but what was your kind of interaction mm-hmm. there's a lot there's a lot of questions in there but I would love to kind of explore mm-hmm. that because as 21 year olds 22 year olds 23 year olds move into the workplace mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of this that they're carrying with them yeah for sure um so I would say my pandemic experience was interesting, to say the least. Um, <laughs> I had, um, gosh, yeah, it was a majority of my university experience. So first year, I had about six months of a freshers, and then lockdown happened. Um, I ended up moving back home um, for second year, um, and then third year, I was working, but I was starting remotely. So. I would definitely say th- thankfully I had a gap year so I actually was able to experience a bit of the world before it actually shut down but mm-hmm. um I remember kind of the transition in like February March time when people was like what's going on what's going on and then it actually happening me having to like carry my stuff like move just take like the essentials thinking I'd come back in two weeks and I end up then coming back for like three months so I had all my stuff in university I was at home it was just a very weird time um mm. and it was tough it was very tough I was saying quite a social person I like being around my friends I like hanging out with them so to come home and love my parents bless them um but it was just it was shout just out, not shout out Mr and Mrs Joseph just in case you listen in case you're feeling like slighted here uh <laughs> I'm watching where she's going with yes this. shout out them um <laughs> but it was just very different because I obviously when you're going to university like, oh I'm gonna be with my parents you know gonna be independent have the freedom mm-hmm. and then that just being like taken away from you so quickly was just very jarring um so it did take a lot of getting used to when I'm transitioning back to the back to home but then only being in the house having lectures online could see my best friends it it was a tough time I would say mm. um and you know I did have to support my parents obviously they could see that it wasn't an easy time um so I think I remember there was this app called house party <laughs> everyone downloaded it it was basically like zoom but um because like people could like hop in and out of like rooms I just think I like... saw it I think like I didn't use it but I think I, I, I know I saw it because it was like a big phenomena yeah 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 so that came and then it was TikTok and I feel like that was kind of filling the void we had of like the social element of it um mm. so I think that's probably where it could have stemmed from where people may be thinking like this is the reality now like whatever you see on social media is real because that's mm. all like people knew that's all people were seeing um so definitely say that it was tough um and especially going into the workplace so from my third year I was out in industry and the first few months were remote and it was hard again because the team I was going into a majority of them had been there for like 15 20 years so they'd all got you know their own community they've already had their bond they know what they're doing they've got the experience and I'm coming in you know bright eye bushy tail going oh my gosh I've got my first like proper job but not really being able to kind of enjoy it because Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was just on zoom with my manager and over email um and so yeah I think I definitely feel like the transition to the workplace was again a very odd time because Mm. there wasn't any social interaction I was only able to go into the office maybe once or twice a week and it was it was um like demarcated not all the team could come in at once it had like three people or four people so Mm -hmm. I didn't really get that team communal feel until at least 
maybe four or five months in out of 12 months. So um, I would say definitely going to the workplace was a whole different ball game. And it mm. was hard again. It was really hard. I feel like I did have a buddy. I did have my manager, but it was just, they just, I feel like they could only understand to an extent of what was going right. on because obviously this is their work. They do this day in, day out. Okay, right. you're moving to Zoom, but you, you had Zoom meetings before anyway. It's just a higher frequency, whereas I'm used to seeing people, being in person, um, going to see my friends and things like that. Um, so I would definitely feel, again, like the transition to the workplace was was um, was interesting again. But um, yeah, I would say, oh gosh, it... <sighs> It, it was a very interesting time and I did learn a lot to be fair I did learn a lot about myself because the one I've learned a few few things from the pandemic is that it's okay to be by yourself I feel like because of social media and because of FOMO I feel like sometimes people might have been feeling you know oh, I have to be out all the time I have to show that I'm doing things and out of my friends but actually the pandemic kind of forced you to kind of take time and think and just be by yourself and like be okay with like being by yourself um and it was hard for, for most people I'm not gonna lie it was hard for me for a time because I, like I said I like being out I like being social um but I would say that um kind of identifying all those kind of like key like prioritizing things um I feel like that I could have learned from the pandemic um but yeah that was a very long but no no the answer wasn't long at all yeah. you no know, my question would be because I think what you said was super insightful. And I think there's one piece of it, and this is just how my brain functions, which is, I always like to know, <clears throat> excuse me, what would have helped? So, you know, you said mm. everyone else had been there 20 years and, you know, they were just doing their job and, you know, you had your body, but that wasn't quite, that wasn't quite hitting the mark of where you, or what you needed. Mm. What would have been the missing piece to have made that better because I think this is going to be genuinely a question mm. um this is going to come up for so many organizations what could have made a significant difference for you is this in like pandemic sense or like now well if you think about it even even now you still have that experience behind you so yeah you, mm. you know you managed and there were changes but you still went through that shift of demarcations of team not being back with a full group of people you know what do you think and, and as people feel like the pandemic is kind of fully over mm. there's still going to be a lot of people who carry trauma from that even though you know everything is back to normal mm. what do you think in that particular moment you would have needed to make it better because there will still be a correlation between that your experience and what some people might not be brave enough to talk about when they go into mm. work now mm. okay let me think so I would say one thing I did observe so after my placement I did an internship um and because I'd had my placement experience I was a bit more used to the corporate environment mm. um but <laughs> I did you know kind of observe the other interns and I was thinking like they clearly have not worked in the corporate space before it was just it was just things you you wouldn't um you would think that young people would know to do or not to do. Um, mm. So, you know, for example, being in meetings on their phone or just, just things like that, that, you know, you wouldn't expect people to do, but I feel like the pandemic kind of erased some parts of us that, you know, you would expect um, to have. Um, so I feel like 
a definite kind of training or like a lesson and you know corporate etiquette it's, it's very basic things but I feel like by not having that social interaction you kind of forget how to act sometimes um, mm-hmm. so I feel like just the basic things just you know how to answer emails you know how to mm. um, support yourself when you're talking to people what to say just giving some pointers some tips because I feel like some people I feel like we're probably throwing the deep end um, especially like financial services it's a very you know specific way of working sometimes so um, I would say just have that practical element first of all just kind of not assuming that we know everything because we don't we don't claim to um but just kind of being aware of where people are coming from um being obviously three years not being able to speak to anyone or be face-to-face or in-person interactions um so yeah definitely that practical element but in terms of like like well-being I would say for example like in the team I was in um I think we would have benefited from like a team social whether it was like virtual or in person just Mm. some time to be with everyone or as much as possible just to kind of actually put a a name to a face or just you know have a conversation with them um outside of like the working environment um I think would have really helped um I do remember we had a few uh like well-being like resources that we were sent like every now and again by email um but I feel like if it was more like directed and targeted towards interns and people on placement because I did feel like because there was so much going on being in a big financial firm you know they're moving to pandemic they're having to sort out all these kind of other things it did feel sometimes that we were kind of like left behind and just kind of forgotten about not prioritized Um, because you're not prioritized exactly um so I would say just continue to have those touch points because it's not always although it's good to know to yourself like hey if I need support I'll go and speak to someone but it's also really nice for someone to check in on you like hey how's it going mm-hmm. how's the week been you know mm-hmm. how's the work going how are your relationship with your managers things like that because sometimes people aren't you know confident enough to go out and say actually I'm not having a good time or I'm not having a good experience so I think just having those regular touch points with um like the younger younger generation in terms of starting work because it can be quite daunting um mm-hmm. kind of going into that space where everyone knows so much and everyone knows everyone and you're just like hello um yeah, so yeah, yeah I think those those two main things I don't I, I think when you also think about it I, I remember this was like ages and ages ago though there was like a, a government program scheme where it was trying to help young like young what did they call them now I always get wrong I always get the phrase wrong disadvantage uh young people from disadvantaged backgrounds is it that but anyway and they was t- trying to get them to do like training and like how to dress for an interview and how to fill out a CV and all this kind of stuff. And I think maybe you made a really good point, right? When you think about financial services, you think about, I'm going to, I'm going to use the word caliber, the caliber of mm. people applying for jobs and the caliber of people going to internships. There's, there's, there's probably that natural association that because mm. they come from XYZ university or they have XYZ background, they will know how to mm. comport themselves in meetings. When the reality is, is that probably their phones have been their best friend and the portal to the world that it wouldn't, you know, I don't like the word etiquette somehow, but, you know, in in that sense, it's mm. just kind of like some, I'm going to call them 101s, just some sort of like meeting 101s, email 101s, yeah. just, you know, because etiquette can sometimes feel formal. And I think mm. it's that part about how can you provide an engaging way to introduce, I'm going to call it almost a soft landing, right? Yeah. What you're saying is 
don't exclude us because we're only interns. It's it's almost like I think about the hierarchy of, you know, hierarchy of full-time employee people, temps, mm. yes. interns, or sometimes it's yeah. full-time employees, you know, interns come before because they've got potential to become full-time employees. Then you've got the temp mm. and how organizations really stratify how they treat each of those groups rather yeah. than being like, if everybody's if everybody is going to be part of this organization, they deserve to have the same X, Y, Z. And I think that's a really, I think that's a really valid point that you make as in the assumption is based on caliber, based on X, Y, Z, that you know this, but -hmm. let's start from a place of maybe we don't know. And let's start from a place of not just interns, not knowing. Mm. Graduates might not know. Yes, Yes. they might have done an internship there and there and there, but let's, let's just make sure we Mm. set everybody up for success by yeah. establishing very clear boundaries and 101 so that everybody is on the same page so that even if yeah. you know it before you can roll your eyes and say you don't care because you already know it but you're catering to maybe that one person mm. that one young mm. girl who's sitting in the room that doesn't know and goes oh okay mm. yeah this is it and I really exactly. also liked your idea about this kind of you know team social and, you know, I, you know how I feel about hybrid working. And I think, you know, that's very much one of the things that I believe that any organization should be doing is that if you're going to have hybrid working, you need to set aside time where you make yeah. sure everybody comes into the office, not just for work. It can be, yes, the third Thursday of every month, everyone comes into the office. After that, we'll grab treat, team lunch or we'll grab team dinner or whatever it is mm. to create these moments, as you said, or yeah. even online to create these moments of building bonds. Zoom, you've got breakout rooms. I don't know about MST don't ask me about that but you know you've got you've got capabilities to create separate conversations group conversations Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff um so like I'm 100% with you that there are opportunities and and I think instead of you know the the media positions Gen Z as demanding, demanding all of this stuff. They want, they want to know about sustainability. They want to know about DEI. They want, they want, they want. But one of the things that we're not talking about is a lot of your generation is traumatized. The most Mm. significant part in your life has been taken away from you when you should have been up and down a town, up and down the countryside, whether it was chilling, you know, in a field with your mates or whatever it was, or traveling together. You didn't get to do any of that. almost three years yeah Mm -hmm. and this for me is one of the biggest parts of we have to and I'm not saying you guys like your generation are victims no but there is going to be a genuine large psychological fallout from this it's not it's not and it's it's very different and and this is for loads of people in general but it's very different dependent upon you know everyone goes to university not for the studying yeah okay you go yeah you go because you know you're going to study but it's not the main reason you go you go to meet people you go to build your network you go to party all these social things and for some people it's just a means to an end they want to study and you know move on to their careers or whatever but that's been taken away Mm. and that's a that's a big deal yeah yeah for sure for sure and I think and I think that changes or that should change the way employers act and interact more importantly um with you because yeah. that's like when I, when you think about how wild it is three whole years yeah just like that right God. right so that's what like 
that's what I'm thinking about like Mm -hmm. the the real the real burden or as in like the burden to deliver in that sense and to support and to be more you know to take this human element in is to actually ask the question how do you feel what was your experience Mm. um has this been acknowledged that this was a traumatic experience not for everybody Mm. but for some a good a good portion (laughs) yeah Mm. right um and that's what and that's kind of it's it's not the note I wanted to end the podcast on in that sense, but it's this part around, as I said, there's so many different ways to exist, but the mm. trauma element of everything is being grossly understated yeah. in, ge- in general, right? Not just mm-hmm. even, but in general, but I've got 15 years on you, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> yes, I know. Yes. Don't cry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got 15 years on you, which means that having those 15 years means that I've still managed to experience loads of things mm-hmm. pandemic free. Yeah, exactly. For me to have experienced a pandemic during my university years would have been a catastrophe. Like, but 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 the point is, is that your generation is being pushed to be resilient and almost erase that experience to mm. go into the workplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. So I feel like as I'm as I'm talking to him a bit like I want this art I want our podcast to be called like the other side of Gen Z. Not because because the narrative that you're talking about isn't the same one. It's not just about I want this, I want that. It's I don't live my life on social media. Not all of us do. I am very intentional about how I present myself because I do care about that. There's elements of immediacy, but that is, that works for us. But, you know, it, you know, but it's acknowledging all of these different parts, which essentially drives the need, the direction of creating success or yeah. creating an environment that allows a lot of generations to be successful mm. means that from our side, as employers, as senior leaders as managers or whatever we are required to do more and that's the equity piece to in order in in order to um you know what's the word um not in gender what's the other one encourage that that's the word i'm looking for um because if we don't then how do you succeed yeah that's the question you just have a whole generation of burnt out people because mm. it wasn't ever acknowledged and you can't, can't be doing that. So what would you advise? Cause I'm going to put you, I'm, I'm going to put you in the advisor seat now. Mm. What would you advise your fellow generation Zedders um, to think about and to prioritize? Hmm. In like terms of like career Oh, what to do oh, okay um like if you thinking about where you are in your journey right now and mm. not specifics of next steps because that's irrelevant but it's more like okay I'll take I'll, I'll go for the lead and I would say based on our conversation I would encourage your generation that when they go into interviews and have conversations if you have been affected by the pandemic bring it up as a topic mm. 
bring it up as a topic. Yeah. yeah. This is what I would also need to succeed. This or this has been my experience. Mm. If you've had a traumatic experience, do not gloss over it. Mm. Because if they do not know, they cannot help. And performance will be based upon your seeming okayness. Mm as opposed to you might be hiding something because it's very difficult to, you can't detect somebody's trauma. You can't detect any of these things. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Oh, very good tip. Um, I guess Uh, these 15 years, these 15 years count for something, my love. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, I mean, adding on to that, when you do get to the workplace, do speak up. Don't be afraid to, like let someone know if something isn't working or you do disclose at that point after post-interview um because like I don't I don't know if it's pandemic or just how we are but I feel like sometimes because of what we see online we just like you know hustle you know gotta grind do that like, just keep, keep working hard, hard, hard. Mm-hmm. keep your head down focus just do like, do what you gotta do but I feel like that does negate sometimes if you're not feeling up to it what then (laughs) you know what do you do then um so I would say don't be too hard on yourself allow yourself to feel whatever you need to feel but also be feel comfortable enough to speak to someone about it because if you don't speak about something it only just continues to bubble inside of you until it gets to a point and then it might be too late by then so I would Mm. say just find someone in the workplace it doesn't have to be your manager it could be your buddy it could be a colleague um just find someone that you can speak to about these things um because we've all been through it I know we've all been through the pandemic we all had different experiences but we've all been through it um so yeah I'd probably say that as well mm-hmm. yeah that's it I think uh or if you don't have a buddy then say that you might need one right it's mm it's not necessarily always on you to drive the solutions not at all mm. but it's recognizing that a lot of people don't know what they could be and what that can look like and it's only through speaking about it that you can actually drive anything so yeah. if you want your audience if you want the audience to find you where can they find you linkedin you find in your linkedin linkedin is where i'm at um you type my name it's a very I, unique name is it really yeah. well re- <laughs> relatively <laughs> In the UK, at least. <laughs> Unique. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so you're just Iyanu Joseph. Yes, I'll spell it for you. I-Y-A-N-U Joseph, like Mary and Joseph. <laughs> only, only you. Like, not even like the Joseph fashion brand. Not even like, okay, you could have said Joseph from the Technicolor Dream Club. Okay, fair play. But you're like, like Mary and Joseph. So In the East this is coming is, up. Oh yeah, true. And this is this is so on Iyanu's brand. Just so everyone knows, like, I feel like I should give you the test at the end, but I'm not going to give it to you. Right. So anyway, as you all know, you, you know where to find me on Instagram at Leanne MM on LinkedIn Leanne Meyer TikTok. I have no idea. I think it's Leanne Meyer as well. And Twitter, not that I really use it, is at Leanne Meyer. Fine. So thank you all for listening to us today, and we wish you a wonderful day. Bye.